Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. How are you doing, good sir? Doing strong, doing well. I feel like I've been doing this for such a long time and been working on a list of what we're going to be talking about today for Gosh, I worked on this list for at least three hours. I, who knows? <laughs> yes, it does. It does does have a different feeling when something that you love takes a longer period of time, um, yes. and that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking about what I think I described it as films of excessive length, which is not exactly a direct uh, best description, but films that we that we determined between the two of us that are very long, two and a half hours or more. And part of the discussion that we had about the length of time, and we're not going to be sticklers on it, but a lot of times there's an officially listed runtime. And, you know, some, you know, sometimes those officially listed runtimes include credits. Um, so a, a Marvel movie, for example, where there are usually a couple mid-credit, you know, like a mid-credit and a post-credit scene, I mean, technically, that runtime is even more accurate, I guess you could say. Yeah. But instead of saying, well, the movie itself went for two hours and 20 minutes, but the credits went for 10. So it's and no, 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 no. It's just we looked up the runtimes and this is what it is. Exactly. It makes it a lot easier and a lot less work intensive on us. Yeah. Also, we kind of left out television movies. Because those can be a little complicated. Some of them are literally just that long. Some of them are episodic. So they're presented in little chunks. Um, similarly, uh, I left out uh, serialized films from the early 1900s that were very popular for a while. Because those technically were very long if you just put them end to end on all their episodes. But not counting those. And we stuck with english language ones as well was that yes part of the discussion as well because there, there's a few others that are out there that are primarily of you know some other language that are great movies but we're boring no we're not boring we wanted to keep the list <laughs> down from you know eight thousand to a few select movies exactly exactly so uh without further ado these are our our top 10 films of exceptional length. Now, again, I guess I should clarify. These are not necessarily the 10 best films. We understand that there might be films that we have seen that we acknowledge are masterworks. You know, just great films that are even better technically than some that are on our list. But it's not about that. It's about how much we like the films. And uh, that kind of guides our hands in how we do things. Yeah, and I've me personally, I've got a, a list one through 10 and I don't know that number one is necessarily my favorite or number 10 is my least favorite on the list. But generally speaking, this is a fairly randomized, not randomized order that we're going to be reading them off. Exactly. Well, mine's, mine's more in order than the others. That's, that was the only way I was able to weed stuff down in terms of the list. But, yeah. uh, well, let's, let's, let's just kick it off. Let's get it started. Number 10, Mr. Richard, what is, uh, what's at the bottom of your top 10? So I chose a movie whose director tends to make super long movies. Um, I have gangs of New York. 
Mm-hmm. Which, if I'm not mistaken, comes in at a steady two hours and 47 minutes, give or take approximately right around there. Um, the movie, up until like the very, very, very end, is just a solid, I, I don't know, it's a solid piece of craftsmanship, story, history telling that's completely, you know, fictionally presented because the characters I think do have meaning. The locations have meaning, but it's just a story told in a time period that's presented to me, uh, very, very well. And I wish it would have been longer and I do wish the ending was a little bit better, however, (laughs) but, uh, it's got, I mean, if you look at the cast, it's absolutely absurd, and I just got it. This this movie has a special place in my heart, I guess you could say. Yeah, with a cast like that, I would find it very difficult to expect anything. It's at least it had to at least be pretty decent. I mean, you could you could have them reading the back of a cereal box, and this this group of individuals will make something happen. But uh, I unfortunately have not seen this film, so it did Ooh. it did not hit my top ten. See, well, I've seen snippets. So I mean, it, the cinematography is very well done. I like the uh, the tone that I saw from uh, a lot of the shots, and you know, the costuming is fantastic. Yeah, um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis is great in virtually everything that he does, and he's one of my favorite actors. And of course, he's a pretty pretty prominent um, bit of screen time in this one. I seem to remember he got sick in making this film because of his tendency to kind of try and live the role and then uh, resulted in some, I don't know if it was pneumonia or some at least really bad cold or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He tends to go all in, let's call it. Yeah, so yeah, this is this is one that's on my list to watch uh, of about a hundred million different films that I still <laughs> haven't gotten to. But yeah, that's that's a good pick for number ten, and I think I like it. I think we're kind of in the same mental space because I also have a fondness for crime in my number ten pick. Ooh, um, it would be nineteen seventy two, The Godfather. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit older. I mean, sure, uh, they're thinking about it. it's like wow, seventy two. I guess that film is like fifty years old now. It's hard to believe, but uh, again, talking about excellent casts. I mean, getting Brando at some of his finest work towards the end, and getting uh, a young Pacino. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. James Caan is always great, but there was just this film was so raw in some spots it just it just felt more real in a lot of a lot of different ways i remember when i saw it before it's like man this has just got a little something extra that other films don't seem to have yeah that was also a time period and we discussed this briefly before we started that you know maybe earlier on in the 60s 70s 80s so smaller part in the 90s it was more commonplace. It was easier to do. It was less frowned upon to have such a lengthy uh, movie. Right. But, you know, in certain instances like this, when you're trying to develop so many different characters and storylines and intri- intricate pieces from here to there, you got to have a lot of time to, to get all that information out. Yeah. And this, this clocked in just under three hours. So it's it's definitely got a lot of meat to it. And there's a lot of 
I mean, sure, there's some some violence. There's going to be some some gunfire and some horse heads, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one or two of those in there, <laughs> something like that. But uh, just some of the dialogue is just really it's it just hits you. At least it it did for me, and I and I enjoy watching this every so often, and just uh, as one of my uh, one of my perennial favorites. Now I will say, up until gosh, maybe the last couple of years, I hadn't ever seen any of the Godfather series of movies. And I definitely did enjoy this one. Although the later ones were a little harder to, to get through. Yeah. Um, and, and this one isn't something that like, oh my gosh, I want to go back and watch 20 times. But it's still a good movie. Right. It's so much, so many good pieces and actors and actresses and scenes and storylines. It's It's definitely a great movie. Definitely so. Moving on. Number nine. Okay, so this one on the list may be frowned upon by quite a few folks, but um, clocking in at two hours and 36 minutes is There Will Be Blood. (laughs) Now, why would anybody have problems with that film? Yeah, so (laughs) we already... We already talked about Daniel Day-Lewis on my previous one. And if you don't like Daniel Day-Lewis, you are not going to like this movie. It is very slow pacing, very monotonous, very drawn out in a certain sense. But it's a showcase on one person. And there are other actors in the film and it tells the story which is fine and the costuming and the set and the locations are great but really you're focusing on almost in a certain sense a masterpiece delivered by one person throughout the entire movie and it drew me in the first time i watched it and second time i watched it i was just as entertained and i haven't watched it since because it's this is one of those that it's just hard to sit through and watch repeatedly but if you haven't watched it and you have maybe three hours because i feel like you got to watch it take a break watch it take a break it's it's definitely worth a view well, and your number 10 pick was from 2002. This is 2007. And kind of an interesting little note, you get uh, a younger uh, Paul Dano uh, in this mm-hmm. film who was in the new Batman film that just came out not too long ago, uh, making his rounds. There's some just some interesting names in this. I mean, you've got Paul F. Tompkins in it, who is just a super funny dude in a film yeah. that's generally not super funny. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a good film. Uh, if nothing else, when you watch this film, you will have an appreciation for milkshakes that you didn't have before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You know, we talk about going all in on a character. Um, I think he lived and breathed this character for a couple months and didn't interact with, uh, talk to, or look at anybody other than how he did in this movie. So I'm you, not mistaken. So you went from your number ten pick, which was about criminals, to your number nine pick, which was about somebody that acted like a criminal. A little bit, um, excessively so. So my number ten pick was about criminals. My number nine pick is about somebody that acted like a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and then eventually was one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> We're going with 2013, The Wolf of Wall Street. Ooh, very good movie. Yeah, three hours long. The things that I love about this film, the narration is just particularly good. Um, the the characterization from everybody that was in this was just kind of fantastic. Um, Jonah Hill was just off the wall crazy in this film. I, I think I read in this one that uh, Jonah Hill took the uh, like the minimum just to be able to get into the movie so he could be in it. Of course, he crushed it. Right. Well, it's Martin Scorsese. How do you not want to be in a Scorsese film? Uh, I, I think I probably would have been in a similar position if I had the chance to do so. Uh, now, uh, Kristen Milioti was also in this film with a fairly uh, sizable uh, part. And she's just been in a ton of stuff, too. And I've always liked her and pretty much everything that she has ever done. It's, just, it's a small thing, but I just really like that actress, and I, I don't think she gets enough credit. Uh, but, I mean, again, an all-star cast. You got John Barenthal, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey as a small part, John Favreau. I mean, just crazy cast. And it's just, it is an awful, awful situation that they made really, really interesting. <laughs> Well, I I think, you know, this was the stepping stone for Margot to go into so many other things. I mean, I think this was the first real thing that people saw her in. And yeah. Yeah. now she's Harley Quinn and other does other things. Too. Yeah, she she did such a good job. There's no way she wasn't going to have an amazing career uh, after that. But yeah, if you haven't seen this film, it's definitely worth a watch if you have a squeamish uh, or prudish, uh, significant other, do not watch it with them. <laughs> no, definitely rated R. Yeah, definitely so. All right, number eight. Okay, so my, my it's not a caveat. It This movie that I have for number eight has two versions. And the first version is already over two and a half hours. But uh, I chose oh. the Apocalypse Now Redux. Oh, okay. So I chose the Redux version, which has this whole entire sequence that was never in the original release of the film. Uh, this one clocks in at like three hours and 16 minutes. So it's a big chunk of time. And I already knew the film i'd seen the film before but long ago when i worked in the movie theaters they released it the the redux version they re-released it in theaters for a real short stretch and i watched it in a theater by myself so i cranked up the sound because i knew i was going to be the only one that was in there and it was awesome it was a great it's not often that you can go back and see a movie that's got that much age on it in a theater nowadays. It just mm. doesn't happen. And I guess I was lucky. So if, if I hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed this movie or this version as much as I do, but I don't know. There's just, there's just something about the storytelling and the sequences as they go from place to place to place and have the interactions. It's, not one of my favorite movies. That's not the case, but I just think this is a great movie. 
And this is the second film with a little bit of Marlon Brando in it and the second Francis Ford Coppola film that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple couple directors that are going to be, I feel like, repeat repeat places on this list. I, I think that's probably likely. Now, I didn't, I didn't enjoy this film as much. There were scenes in it that I really liked, but it was one of those films like, wow, this is a really long film. And I go, wow, this doesn't need to be this long. <laughs> I think we probably could have cut about an hour off of this, and it would have been much better. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell that to anybody because uh, uh, I am not Francis Ford Coppola. So, <laughs> and, and uh, of course, the the version that I picked was the one that was even longer. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, it's just that that's kind of crazy. It's I did enjoy seeing uh, uh, Martin Sheen in that scene where he's you know basically drunk in real life and then <laughs> freaking out on camera. That was that was pretty solid. Um, so okay, you, you went with War with your number uh with your number eight pick and i this is where we deviate i didn't go with war <laughs> uh however i did go with some good combat uh maybe a personal war a war on crime uh i went with 2008 the dark knight clocking Ooh. in two hours and 32 minutes uh can't have a comic book fan uh, with a comic book fan podcast and not talk a lot, at least about one film <laughs> that's a com- not a comic book property. Because, um, you know, how can you not have the film with maybe the best Joker on-screen interpretation uh, ever done in, in this kind of a list uh, if it's got the right time frame? I mean, Heath Ledger's performance was phenomenal. Everybody's talked about it. it's nothing new. But the whole cast did a great job. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Eckert. And uh, even if I didn't like the direction they went with the CGI on his Two-Face character, I thought that was kind of dumb. But all of it, all the rest of it is just great. I mean, it's just there's there's almost not a, a, a single bit you could have put on the cutting room floor to make this better. It had the exact flow at the exact right places. Yeah, and it was more, it was m- more in depth than just Batman versus the Joker, right? It had so many different layers of you know struggle, I guess you could say, on it. And I never really, I never really grasped the scene where they they killed quote killed Gordon, but then he's riding in the in the armored vehicle with this helmet and mask on and then you take the helmet and mask off and ugh, it's Gordon he's still alive I'm like well, of course yeah you, yeah I mean okay I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I never understood that sequence of it but um, if you base all the previous iterations of Two-Face that you have ever seen which was what <laughs> none <laughs> Bobby Lee Jones uh, yeah there wasn't one on the well, there was, but well, was there? I'm not certain there was one in that '60s Batman TV show. I don't actually know. I, I, I don't think, think so. there was. No, I mean they managed to put in King Tut, but they didn't put in Two Face. Yeah, so we, you know, in terms of all the quote rogues galleries for all these uh, heroes that are out there, whether it's Batman or whether it's Spider Man, it's nice to see 
some presented in at least a non-comical fashion. Right. So we, we got that out of Two-Face, at least, but did we really get to see a good Two-Face? Uh, no. <laughs> no, we didn't, but that's okay. But the movie as a whole is a phenomenal movie. Yes, it is. I, I definitely enjoyed it, and it's one that I never mind seeing over and over again. It's one of the reasons it made the top ten list. Number seven. All right, so I struggled with having this one in the list, but I felt ultimately that I'm putting it on this list based on its future, which I hope is strong. Um, I chose the most recent version of Dune, which clocks in at two hours and 35 minutes. So just hits the limit. It was okay. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Pretty good, really. Well, I like the spectacle of it. Um, and part of it being on this list now is my, oh, my my interest in sci-fi things in general right now is pretty much peak interest. Yeah. So anything cool that's out there that's sci-fi, I've been trying to watch or get into or pay attention to. And there's a lot of good aspects of this. The The look and the feel of the movie was great. We already know the storyline. And instead of getting one movie, we're probably going to get three movies. And if they go forward with it, it won a lot of uh, awards for everything other than like, you know, best movie and stuff like that. But all the cinematography things, sound, production, things like that. It's It was a successful movie. Uh, and I'm hoping that if they do continue forward with it, that maybe when they film the next one, they film the next one as like a five hour, six hour thing and then just split it in two and then be done with it. But we'll see. Well, and like we talked about with our review that it's, it's, it needed an update. The older version of the film um, maybe didn't age so well. Um, and with the new CGI capabilities, giving it a real chance to shine is, is nice. So I've I've got high I've got high hopes for it, and they, they maybe didn't wow me with the first film, but it's there's it's still early. There's still a chance that it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, and that one kind of got wrecked a little bit by the pandemic, yeah. and in terms of timing, in terms of its release, uh, but it made a significant amount of money in terms of its release. Maybe not what it could have been, but. It made enough that they're going to greenlight future versions. So that's why it's on the list is that uh, to me, it's rewatchable. And also, like I said, the hope for part two and part three. Absolutely. Um, for me, I'm going to travel back to 2003 for my number seven. Um, I like me some sword fighting. And I think we talked a little bit about this movie not too long ago, but uh, I went with The Last Samurai, clocking in at two hours and 34 minutes. Um, I love that film. That is one that I can watch many times. I like Zwick quite a lot as a director. Um, and, I mean, come on, Billy Connolly is great. I mean, he's, he's only in a portion of the film, but I love seeing Billy Connolly in anything. Ken Watanabe is, is fantastic. Um Tom Cruise does what Tom Cruise does, uh, which is somehow be 
pretty solid in everything. I don't know how he does it. Um, but it's just um, it's just such an, an epic kind of an epic kind of story and the combat is great. And Hiroyuki Sonata as Yujiro just steals the film and seeing him in any scene is awesome. It's <laughs> just being a, a, a badass. Uh, yeah, the costuming and everything. I love that film. It, to me, it's a very, very underrated, overlooked film. And I think part of it is because of Tom Cruise. Um, you know, Tom Cruise in general and, and, and the fact that he's in this particular movie, which he's like the only white person in the movie. Well, not, that's, not, that, that's not entirely true. Um, but, you know, for the majority of the movie he is, it, it comes off as like, well, this can't be good. Or like, it's all, we're focusing on the wrong things and we're not getting the right aspect of things in this movie. But, and, and certainly myself, I have no Asian background whatsoever to tell me what history looks like, feels like. But at the time watching this, the first time and the second time and the third time, the presentation of this movie was just, to me, really solid. And everybody did such a great job in this movie. I don't know if it's historically accurate or not, but it's a great movie. There there, there are elements that are accurate. <laughs> who, who the good guy is and who the bad guy is is uh, kind of flip-flopped a little bit. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> You'll have that from time to time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, just as a film goes, this is sometimes I have films when I'm in a, in a particularly bad mood that will just bring me out of it. Um, this is one of them. I, I can watch this and just be in a better mood. It just, uh, for some reason has that effect on me. I love it. Yeah. I, I think if, if people are listening to this podcast and they haven't watched that movie and they've been hesitant to watch it because it just may seem cheesy or it doesn't like like i said the genre doesn't like it doesn't fit right give it a chance it's worth watching definitely so all right number six Ooh, number six so uh, a familiar feel for this movie in terms of some of the previous ones we've talked about in so many ways i have casino at number six oh, back to crime excellent Yes, crime, and and maybe it's a a pattern. Maybe it's the actors. Uh, maybe it's ultimately the director, right? Uh, that's probably part of it oh, too. Come on, it's got to be Pesci because it's it's Pesci. Yeah. So the whole the whole movie. I mean, and this is an older movie too. I, I guess we're old, so I guess we can say this is an older movie. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, it's got a real clean feel to it. It is a long movie. It's two hours and 58 minutes, so it, it does chew up a lot of time, but the performances are really solid. The storyline's real solid. It has, you know, characterizations that we're all familiar with. Yeah. Uh, it has a crime element that we're all familiar with, but it's just presented in such a strong and in certain sequences, over-the-top uh, version, especially from Joe Pesci, who's just awesome in this. Yeah. Um, you know, James Woods is like 
the, the loser, right? You know, <laughs> so there's just so many cool elements to this movie. And there was a, this hot streak of these types of movies that came out. And I'm not saying that this is the best or the worst, but this is the one that's on my list. Well, again, a lot of these are going to be because of their length. You know, we might have yep. months we would put ahead of this, but they're not long enough. So eh, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I love I love that film. Uh, I considered it for my list. And it's not that old. It's only 1995. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh, almost uh, 30, 27. It's getting, getting there. there. But uh, yeah, that's just there's just something about the the cool factor that it has and the way that it portrays things that's just fantastic. Um, now for my number six, um, we're going to go from cool adult things to uh, cool kid stuff with magic and sorcery and sorting hats. Mm. <laughs> we're going to go 2001-ish and go with Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I technically am lumping all of the Harry Potter films into this one segment because there are so many of them and most of them are over two and a half hours, or at least it feels like most of them are over two and a half hours. Uh, and they're it, all it really good. It feels that way. <laughs> but, I mean, Harry Potter is a dynasty at this point. Um, the cast has all gone on. The ones that were new have gone on to have huge careers. And the ones that, you know, periodically would make appearances just always made me, uh, made me smile. Anytime I get to see Warwick Davis in anything just makes me smile. Um, uh, Robbie Coltrane, I think he just turned 72. He just is awesome in, in this film. As Hagrid, he just freaking personifies that character, does such a good job. So, I mean, just all in all, uh, ignoring any of the, the hubbub of the real world behind the scenes, just the films, and again, ignoring the fact that it leaves out tons of stuff from the books, <laughs> The films just have that feel. They're warm. They're inviting. They're they're like just this little happy hug of fantasy. And it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, the 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 first I, I guess I'm more familiar with the first eight because I haven't seen the more recent what is there, two? And there's a third one out this year. Um oh, talking the about first, the prequels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first eight, I think there's three of them that are over two and a half hours long. Um, it, it seems like the maybe the, the last two, right? You're like, well, shoot, there's so much going on. There's all these plot points that are hitting. And well, that last it was supposed to be right. You know, there's a part one and a part two. That was supposed to be like a giganto movie. Right. That would have been just too long. But I think Half-Blood Prince was two and a half hours long. And because I, I look through this list because it's like the Harry Potter movies in general are just really solid, a really solid collection of movies for, you know, all ages. That's the thing, too, is that it gathers everybody in. It has an interest level that appeals to young kids, old kids young adults old adults it, it just fits for everybody yeah and i think the movies even themselves if you, the movies are actually kind of old 
at this point. They've right. been around for a while. Over 20 years. They age really well, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that way. Now, the other crazy thing that just occurred to me as we've gotten to the halfway point in the list is we haven't talked about social media yet. Hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now, our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's one dollar per month per month not per day per month <laughs> yes twelve dollars for a year yeah uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into and when the fate engine comes out it will have its own cost and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this and it's going to be so cool i can't wait for y'all to hear about it Aren't you glad we fit that in at just the right spot? Feel refreshed. <laughs> well, that's what social media is there for, is to refresh you and make you feel better about your life choices. <laughs> yeah, correct. <laughs> oh, but what will make me feel better right now is getting back to the top ten list. Let's, let's get that second half going, Richard. What's your number five? Uh, number five. Five. I've got Pulp Fiction. Oh yeah, that just missed Fox my top ten. Two and a half, two two hours and thirty four minutes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, nineteen ninety four. Just sneaks in there. Um, when you look at Quentin Tarantino movies in general, and he has made a few of them that fit the mold for this um, length of time for sure. Uh, Inglorious Bastards is, I, I do believe over two and a half hours. It is. Um, when he did Reservoir Dogs, he, that movie was so, you know, unique in, in a certain sense, a lot of dialogue, um, strong faces, strong dialogue, strong, bits and pieces of things coming together really put him on the map but then the pulp fiction is the thing that just let everyone know who he was yeah 
but the other strange the other strange phenomena that this movie had too is what it did to the actors right because it kind of uh, brought John Travolta back into the the forefront yeah it brought Bruce Willis like it it, it kind of livened up his career we found Uma Thurman uh we got Samuel L. Jackson as just a, uh, you know, like a Samuel L. Jackson character. It's kind of hard. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. Right. He was more Samuel so, L. in this film than he was in a lot of other films. Exactly. So you saw all these fresh, not, well, not fresh, I'm sorry, fresh perspective on some faces and, you know, a, a new face here and there that just made you made you kind of look at all these different sequences as they melded together in this movie, good storytelling, you know, good excitement level. Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's a good movie. There's yeah. just a lot going on. There's so many faces and places and things, and it's hard to overlook this movie. I'm a sucker for any film that tries to, tries to tell multiple stories within a single outing and have them um have them interweave and like he does in this film uh, the i think the air i breathe is another good example of that where there's just a bunch of separate stories all happening in the same general place at the same time that technically don't have anything to do with each other but they're still connected and uh, I, I love that kind of a kind of thing and this film did that very very well with a great soundtrack oh that's true the the soundtrack in this one I, I think is what a lot of people I it it's there in your face but it makes the scenes pop right yeah and it's not new music it's honestly a lot of old music too so yeah. it, it's I don't know there's a lot there's a lot to like about this one I guess you could say yeah this is definitely a film that people should watch um, on a similar uh, but completely different musical note. Uh, my number five pick is is heavily about music. It's from 1984. Two hours, 40 minutes, Amadeus. If you have not seen this film, um, it is... It is... I don't even know if I have words to describe it. The costuming it in it is just amazing and the storyline to it is so compelling um, the acting in it is fantastic it is something that holds up really well over time um, and just uh, Tom Holche does such a great job as Amadeus in this film um, and F. Murray Abraham as Salieri I mean, it's F. Murray Abraham. He's amazing in everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's just such a really... I just, it, it's one of those films that it's hard to describe. You just need to see it. There's just some elements of great joy, some just rage-inducing moments. It's, it's, got, it's got some excellent character development. And I could honestly say that I have not watched this movie, so... I couldn't take anything about it. Yeah, I kind of wondered if you'd seen this one. Um, 
you know, it's it's kind of one of those things I saw this when I was very young, which uh, for the first time anyway. But yeah, I had some strange tastes as a kid. <laughs> you wouldn't think that this was like, hey, what's your ten year old want to watch, Amadeus? Really? Okay, but <laughs> it's it's really really good. So if you get an opportunity and and you like some semi historical drama, uh, yeah, this is this is great. How accurate is the story? Uh, eh, <laughs> like any portrayals, it's got stuff that's right and stuff that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It the th- the thing about some of these things in in his the historical light of it is the more you read about what actually happened, you're like, why was that never even in the story? It seems like that would be way more interesting than what they put on screen. So I've never figured out some of those motivations and why they change some of the story things around, but I don't work in Hollywood, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we should fix that. Let's, let's, let's move to Hollywood. <laughs> Make a movie exactly how we think it should be. Right. We'll get all six people that want to see it to see it. <laughs> and it'll be a rousing success with those six people. That's right. That's right. Oh, onward and forward, forward. Number four, four. Uh, speaking of historical inaccuracies, um, I have on here, and the the concept of the story, I'm sure, is 100%, but the execution, not so much. Uh, Schindler's List is what I have on for my number four. Yeah. Uh, clocking in at a gigantic amount of time. It's over three hours long, 316, I do believe. Something like that. Uh, 1993. Yes. Um uh, Presented in mostly black and white with some color elements that are in there. Right. I think if you watch this particular movie, now we've talked a little bit in the past about my interest in World War II things in general. And there's another movie I was hoping was going to hit the two and a half hour list and it didn't it's called the pianist uh, another great period piece i guess you could say but uh the fact that it kind of portrays a storyline when so often we see in these storylines the war itself that we don't a lot of times see the stories behind we'll see the absolute most hardened war things we'll see the most gruesome you know, concentration camp the things. atrocities, yeah. And we don't see a lot of the in-between stuff, and I think you get elements of that from here with just, obviously, fantastic performances. Um, a little bit of theater, I guess. I mean, that's part of being a movie, but just great performances make any movie great, but the backdrop and the storytelling and the the look and the feel, you know, just the outfits, the uniforms, the clothing, everything is really, I don't know, it's really sharp in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't blame you if you'd say that you were very taken with these film, uh, this film. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to work in a Liam Neeson joke and it just it didn't work. I mean, uh, I got it. I understood it. Yeah, um, yeah, it just it just it flopped. But, um, 
you're but you're right about Liam Neeson because we had seen Liam Neeson before this, mm-hmm. but is this one of the movies that really just kind of pushed his popularity to the forefront? You think? I, I well, I think it it made people realize like, oh, this guy, this guy is able to really act. I mean, it, it's kind of strange that it takes a movie like this to go, oh, this 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 person understands how to convey emotion in, in a subtle way, or maybe in instances sometimes not just whatever it allows people to see them in a light that they weren't seen before and just give them more opportunities to be awesome which is awesome well that's great yeah not that dark man didn't do that for him it did not do uh, that for them (laughs) no it didn't this is the one that kind of you know it it gave him probably a a paycheck going forward because he after this is just like he just did so many stinking movies is out of control and then he he hit uh star wars and he wasn't in it for very long gangs in new york which i mentioned before um and then he kind of hit this action sequence with batman and then taken and off to the races man i'm just gonna do the the watching this movie you would not think Liam Neeson action star. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but action's important. I mean, it's going to be a part of every actor's career, at least a little bit for the most part. Yeah. And the fact that he can make the most of it is great. Uh, for me, I love as much action with as many actors as possible, which is why my number four pick is Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> uh, three hours, one minute from 2019. It is... Uh, and looking at my list, it's the only one that's actually really a current film that's on that list, which is a little strange. But we've talked about this film before, so I don't feel like I need to go into great detail about it. But when you've got basically the culmination of many years of Marvel films and everybody is in it, and it's just, it is amazing. And I never feel like three hours have passed when I watch the film easily. If I look at my list easily, one of the most rewatched things that would be on either of our lists is this movie. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Uh, We've, we're not going to rehash this any more than we need to. Let's move on to number three. Well, number three will be easy. Uh, because it's the Dark Knight. <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to have some some crossover. So higher even on your list than it was on mine. Yeah, fun stuff. Uh, made a lot of money. Uh, you got a, a good Batman. You got a great Joker. And you got a scene where he makes the pencil disappear. Yeah, You know, that's kind of an iconic little short sequence the explosions where he stands in front of the hospital which actually really happened he pulled the trigger the explosions kind of went off but didn't he looked at the thing pounded it and like like why is this not working and then they went off which was not intended it was actually a delay there was some problem with the pyrotechnics going off so but it made a great sequence so now i did think of one potentially downside to, to this and the, the Dark Knight Rises, uh, it created, well, not created, but it showed 
a tone and a presentation for a grim and gritty superhero film that really worked. And studios saw it and saw that it really worked and didn't understand why it really worked. So let's just do grim and gritty because that's going to make it sell. Only if it works. <laughs> Otherwise, you've just got a steaming pile of uh, dog stuff. <laughs> yeah. Figure out the characters that work with the grim and gritty, which right. is very few. And then you got to have a good story. You got to have good bad guys. And you have to have a good actor doing the good guy stuff. Yeah. And then still may not even work. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a strange thing. Um, but I do like those kind of darker elements of, of what it means to be human uh, as it's portrayed in film, which kind of probably leads to why my number three, American Gangster, 2007. Two hours and 37 minutes. Mm. Get a little Denzel. <laughs> the, uh, if you remember, around that time frame, there was initially, for high-definition television, there was a battle between uh, Blu-ray and HD DVD. Right. And I had an Xbox 360. Still have it. And there was their their thing was you could buy an HD DVD player for it, and that was how you could deliver those pictures, you know, on your HD TV. So the one that you got, well, you got King Kong with the HD DVD player, but the one and only one that I ever purchased was your movie. Uh, excellent. We. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the thing about this film is there's just such great character development and character growth. It's, you know, again, based on real stuff that happened and, you know, mostly accurate <laughs> it's as, as well as it can go. And it's the, the violence that's in it is just raw and, and trying to make it as real as they can make it. But the thing that I wanted to remind you, if you didn't remember, director of this film, Ridley Scott. You're on that sci-fi uh, kick. Alien, aliens, you know, uh, <laughs> Blade Runner. Um, but even more um, important and, you know, just on the tip of everybody's tongues in current events from just a few days ago, G.I. Jane. Hmm, yes. Uh, Kingdom of Heaven as well. Yeah. Uh, but, man, this film, I again, it's another film that, yeah, it goes on for a long time, but I'm I'm never bored. The it's just too good. Well, a lot of a lot of Denzel's material is very solid, and Denzel plays Denzel better than anybody else. So <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, his his characters are are great, but uh, going back to some of the other movies that we had kind of talked about we see some fresh faces in this one. Uh, Russell Crowe, maybe yep. not so much, but we, Josh Brolin's been doing things forever, but you don't always notice that Josh Brolin is in movies and Josh Brolin's in this one. Yes, he is. We saw Baron Mordo in this one too. <laughs> um, we sure did. Uh, like I why don't, why, why don't you, why don't you say what uh, the nice actor's name is? <laughs> oh, uh, that, 
uh, that one dude. Uh, and then we have Cuba Gooding Jr. makes an appearance. Just so, yeah, it's L- a little RZA in there. Yeah, the the movie is it's solid, uh-huh. and I, I feel like when it came out, it had recognition, and it people paid attention to it, and then potentially it disappeared. Right, like feels like if it. you like, I I want to watch this movie. Where can you watch it right now? Well, there's no streaming thing that has it, to my knowledge. So, uh, it's a little harder to watch. But if you can, if you can take a peek at it, it's worth watching. Yeah, and I made sure to get this one on Blu-ray. All right, we are to the penultimate listing. Your number two spot, Richard. Um, I've got Braveheart on my list. I'd also just missed my top 10. <laughs> uh, this movie is from a, a, a while ago, right? Uh, 1995. It, it, it seems like this movie is much newer than what it is. But the, the storyline and the characters are loosely based on reality. But the actual story in the movie is not. Yeah. And the the battle sequences are also not historically yeah. accurate. Uh, but that's okay. Still cool. If you don't know any of that going in to watch this movie, you just see like, you know, it, a, a period piece that looks, it looks, it has that presentation and has that feel that it's accurate, even though it's not. And when you have the the big battles when swords are clanging and arms are getting hacked off and stabbing and suffering and all the nonsense that goes in with that and then you have the little elements of humor that get tucked in here and there there's a little bit of the love story here and there i I don't know it's one of those movies that you know this was a movie from for us for from high school days so when we were young and impressionable movie was just so awesome that it's just carried forward that awesomeness to this day. Yeah, this was Mel Gibson at, at the height of his fame and could do no wrong and had not kind of gone a little crazy publicly. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, could, could do no wrong until he could do wrong. <laughs> Isn't that the way it always is? <laughs> you're awesome until you're not. <laughs> that's, uh, yes. Uh, he... Okay, in, in all honesty, he's compl- he's directed a handful of movies. We know him as actor, but the things that he's directed have been pretty successful movies. He yeah. hasn't done that many of them. No. Uh, Braveheart, uh, The Passion of the Christ, which made a lot of money. Um, I've never seen it, but the one I have seen, which is an awesome movie, not quite long enough for this list, or it would be on there without a doubt, is Apocalypto. Well worth sitting down for two hours and 20 minutes to watch that movie. That thing is awesome. But uh, yeah. Braveheart is, I don't know, for us old folks like this, I think Braveheart is one of those, quote, classic movies for us. He seems to know how to kind of tap the vein of interest now. Me personally, I'm not really interested in uh, 
religious torture porn, but I'll I'll watch Braveheart <laughs> any time of day. Uh, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, the uh, very similarly, you have a lot of swordplay in your number two. I have a lot of swordplay in my number two. Uh, <laughs> and I know this is one of your favorites of all time. <laughs> Again, I'm doing the same thing I did with the Harry Potter. I'm kind of grouping three films together. Uh, the Lord of the Rings. All of the Lord of the Ring films are over two and a half hours long, and I absolutely love them all. Basically, everybody knows what they are and have seen them, and if you haven't, where have you been? It's it's great. I mean, if you like good battle sequences and some just steep, steep investment in language and geography and history, and it's it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, each one of them, like you said, is over. And, of course, The Return of the King is three hours long. Right. Um, but one of the things that I can... And, and I, I I would also wager that The Hobbit movies... So we're talking about yeah. the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Separate from that was The Hobbit trilogy, which kind of was a not a prequel... I mean, it was a prequel. It, it gave information about what was going on in the Lord of the Rings series. Right. Those are some pretty lengthy movies as well. Um, they were still good, but they they were so they were still good for sure. But I think one of the keys, and I we talked about this briefly with Dune, is when they made Dune and they knew they were going to have the Dune movie when it was released. Tell a third of the story, a quarter of the story that we saw from the movie from the eighties that the, the studio wasn't invested enough in it for them to just say, make it all, we'll chop it up. But the Lord of the Rings, I think the reason why it's so successful and it's clean and it goes from start to finish is they filmed them all at the same time. And then as they needed, they would redo some scenes, but they could work on the editing. They could do everything. And back in the day, it was a big deal because we knew these movies were all coming out. Like one was in December, then a year later, another one, and then a year later, another one. And that's just not something I don't know if we'll see that so much nowadays. Uh, they kind of did that with the more recent Star Wars movies. They, it was an every two-year sequence thing. But this was a, a very big event at the time. Right. I mean, I, I can specifically remember the return of the king coming in 10 reels to have to put together because of the thing was so huge <laughs> and I didn't didn't all these movies make it like a just a billion just what, these all billion dollar tons. films yeah yeah I, I, why wouldn't it the cast was amazing and it's it's a well-loved and known story that had not had a successful movie adaptation to that point I mean you've gotten some really um, let us say less than amazing. Well, no, that's not even fair because it, it's 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 really lovely animation for what it is and for when it was made. But there are some animated films around it, and they have a soft they have a place in a lot of people's hearts. But I didn't like those too terribly much. <laughs> yeah, these were a much grander experience, much more expansive more awe-inspiring, more CGI-intensive, more practical effect-intensive. I mean, it was everything for right. these movies. Literally everything for these movies. 
Yeah. So I except don't know. for you know having Elijah he was Wood. the best. The he was the best. Quiet you. <laughs> well, at least he wasn't in the Hobbit ones. Uh, so all right, so let's do a couple. <laughs> let's do a couple honorable mentions that didn't quite make the list that are still worth talking about. Um, I'll start them off. Uh, one that I did not include because technically it's not a film, uh, but you can watch it like it's a film. Uh, Hamilton is definitely over two and a half hours, but the Hamilton you're going to see on Disney it's still a play. In fact, it's two different nights of recording that they edited together. So will I watch that all the time? Sure will. Is it amazing? Yeah. Would it have made the top ten list if it were an actual film? Sure would have. It's not. It's a play, but it's amazing. Yeah, we talked about that. We were wondering if that was going to qualify or not. So, yeah, um, ruled against it. Um, there are a couple that we've already talked about. I have the Lord of the Rings on, like the Honorables, the Harry Potters, uh, Wolf of Wall Street. So all the ones that are on your list are kind of on my honorable mentions. Um, Infinity War. Um, I mean, that makes sense. We've talked about Endgame right. and then Infinity War makes sense to be on the honorable mention list as well. Um, the new Star Wars movies are over two and a half hours, but, you know, they're doo-doo. So they're not <laughs> like when, we talked about all these things, but none of the Star Wars films are over two and a half hours except for those. And they're awful. So, uh, no, yeah. Uh, I've talked about World War II stuff a lot. Saving Private Ryan's like a three-hour movie. It is. But I'll be honest with you. The more I watch it, the less I like it. And it's just too too Hollywooded up for me. Yeah. Uh, it's still a good movie, but it, it not good enough to crack this list. And then the other one on here is The Green Mile. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that one. Good Tom Hanks, good uh, good storytelling, good fun. Uh, don't forget the classics, though, too. There are some older films that are well worth watching if you want some um, some older, over two-and-a-half-hour films to watch, like West Side Story from back in 61 is kind of a classic that a lot of people really love. Uh, the Ten Commandments in 56. Uh, Spartacus in 1960, Ben-Hur in 1959, Gandhi in 82. I mean, Ben Kingsley, I, you can't can't go much better than that. Camelot, if you like some of the sword play and sorcery sort of stuff back in 1980, or 1982, 1967. Uh, now, one of the ones that I really wish could have made it onto my list and just barely missed, uh, My Fair Lady in 64. Uh, I love that film. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It just didn't quite, quite move into the top 10. Same thing like with, uh, the color purple in 85, that film is strong. It's, it is, it is, um, an amazing film. I just, I watched it. It's like, I don't, I don't really want to watch that anymore. <laughs> it's really good, but I don't want to watch that anymore. Yeah. I, I'm a bit, uh, stuck in my ways and a lot of those older movies, I, I I just don't I can't get into them and I know they're good for what they are especially from the time period that they came out with and you know one of the more recent ones that I that I watched that would qualify for this list that um, has a just a 
ridiculous cast and go figure it's based on world war two is <laughs> a bridge too far i knew you were going to um, talk about that one and that, that movie it's just it's not enter- it's it's fine but it's just not it would never make any of my list yeah um, i didn't like it <laughs> I, I've been tempted to watch. There's a thing on there that shows how accurate it is, but the thing that shows how accurate it is is like 30 minutes. So that's that's not a YouTube video that I want to sit down and watch. But right. for a movie that I didn't really enjoy that much, but um, I don't know, like Gone with the Wind, that makes a lot of lists because it's a really long movie too. I just don't want to watch them. Sorry, it, I never found that one that interesting. It's just I, I get it. I, I I get why people like it. It's just like, yep, not me. <sighs> Sorry, but we are we are to what we feel is our number one picks at this point, Mister Richard. What do you think is your favorite over two and a half hour film? Drum roll, please. Okay, it's End Game, and then on to you. <laughs> I wondered if that would happen. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I feel bad. I know, I feel like I'm stealing this thunder here. I have a feeling you're not going to guess what my number one is on this because I may have mentioned this particular film in the past, but it would have been kind of a brief mention. Um, this, you know, I talked about films that I can, I can watch to make me feel better. This is not only that it just, it is science fiction as science fiction should be done. Um, it's 1997, two hours and 30 minutes long. Contact. Mm, I've heard you mention that before. Yeah, I absolutely love that film. Jodie Foster is fantastic, and it should, well, she's fantastic in most things. Um, Matthew McConaughey again just uh, does a great performance. Uh, much less Matthew than in a lot of other films. Uh, <laughs> talking about people playing themselves, but this is a, a Zemeckis film. I mean, it's kind of hard to to not like. Uh, uh, the stuff that he does, he's just got so many really good films. He knows how to craft a story, but this is one of the better interpretations of science, the more real interpretations of perception of time and space and how things might go if they actually proceeded in the real world in this way. It's just, it's just fantastic. I know that I've watched this movie and I can say that I've watched it one time because when I watched it, I was like, as as it all the suspense built up through the course of the movie, to me, the ending was just kind of a eh, kind of what? It, like it disappointed me a little bit. So I never went back and watched it again. <laughs> because I love sci-fi stuff, right? Like I love this. So yeah, it's been because this this yeah ninety seven. So this movie's been out for quite some time. And watch it again with your cynical glasses on. If the government was somehow involved in an experiment that was similar to this, and the effects happened in the way that they happened, don't you feel that this is is kind of how they would? things and that that to me that changes the ending because it, it it isn't an exciting ending it's not this huge big thing that happens it's internal 
it's it's self-reflection. That's why I love it. It's just like, hey, wait a second, films don't do this, and I just I just thought it was it was done absolutely great. And James Wood plays an excellent person to hate in this film. He plays that. Uh, he plays that well. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say there. <laughs> I heard it coming out. He plays that in real life sometimes. Um, <laughs> I thought that was the direction you were going to go, uh, but not cl- no, but no. Um, he he plays that type of character a lot, and he's good at playing that. Yes, character. he is. Uh, Tom Skerritt is great. Yeah. I mean, Tom Skerritt is great. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, John Hurt, you can't go wrong with John Hurt. I just great, great cast all around. Fantastic. So, uh, what do you think, dear listeners? Did we miss any good ones that are over two and a half hours long? Did you listen to this list and go, how could you forget this film? Let us know. We told you where we are on social media just a little while ago. We would love to hear your opinions. Uh, now, next week, we're going to get back to it and probably come back with, I don't know, maybe something a little more a little more familiar. I think we'll probably go back to a movie review. I think we'll probably do maybe the new Morbius movie that's coming out like in real time tomorrow. <laughs> Technically, uh, what is it, tonight? <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. Tonight or tomorrow, uh, we will see this film and we will tell you how awesome or not it is. Not. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that's not the answer. 